Bank of Clark County is making it easy to give to local charities. We're featuring a different one at each of our Bank of Clark County locations. To find out how you can support their good work, visit our website at www.bankofclark.bank or follow us on our social media channels and the hashtag GiveWithBOCC. Bank of Clark County. Member FDIC. Lucky Land Slots. Asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> I need two Agamubi muffins and we're almost out of hash browns. Hold on. Now, Randall. <laughs> what are you writing over there anyway, your memoirs? I'm battling this jackass on his blog's message board. About what? On how he's got too much free time and no life. So is the guy who's flaming him on his website. I can't help it, the guy pisses me off. It's this fuck in a wheelchair that's always preying on everyone's sympathies, writing these long diatribes about how he'll never walk again and how walkers should appreciate the blessings of their functioning legs. That diatribe, you call it, sounds like some poor crippled guy pouring out his heart and feelings. Oh, fuck him, man. Trying to guilt me into walking around more because he's all gimped out? What kind of mind fuck is that shit? So I've been getting into it with him, throwing it back in his stupid, creepy boy face about how I love to just sit around and how I'd rather drive to the end of the block than walk. <laughs> the guy's in a wheelchair. Yeah, that's why I called him Creepy Boy. Have a good one. Connection disrupted. Hi, this is Jason Christopher, the writer and director of Nobody Gets Out Alive. You're listening to The Morbidly Made, where the fans take control. Once again. Hey, John. Question for you. What's up, Mike? Uh, what happens when you're a douchebag? Uh, well, people really don't like to associate with you. Exactly, John. Exactly. Alright, alright. Thanks, Mike. Um, kind of threw me off a little bit, but let's, let's get into a little bit of the reality of our show. Oh no, not the reality. Oh. Not the reality. Yeah, let's 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 actually dive into this a little bit because 
we're a little bit different, and I think that's obvious simply because we try and be wait, 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 so wait. interactive. Oh, a little bit different? I would say that we're <laughs> a lot different. I mean, me, myself, alone. Wow. That's, well, like you're super different. Yeah. 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 And, well, I'm no carbon copy, but... <laughs> What we try and do with this show is a little bit different, and because of that, it actually changes kind of how we promote our show or how we actually go about, you know, promoting our guests or anything like that. Right. And, and I just kind of wanted to cover that real quick because I, I know there's been a little bit of controversy over that recently. There has been. Yeah, and I, I just wanted to clear it up with us being interactive and trying to get people to call in. We really have to, you know, promote our guests in advance. So when we have somebody coming up, say, in a week, I'm going to try and promote them a couple days up and ahead so we can get some people interested to call in if they do, because I'm not in control of that, and try and talk to that guest. And, you know, I I think a lot of people struggle to grasp that. Uh, yeah, they struggle all right. But one of the big things about our show, and I I really like the idea that Mike is behind me on this, mm. is the fact that we just really want no part of negativity. We we really try and avoid that as much as we can, besides a negative review on a piece of shit movie. A negative review on a piece of shit movie. Oh, I'm trying to... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I know you really don't give those out, Mike, but no, uh, like there, there's definitely some of them. Yeah, some. Twelve monkeys. Okay, continue. Yeah, but I just really wanted to cover that quick in the beginning of, of the show that we really have to promote differently and the fact that uh, we try and avoid negativity. And it's because we try and avoid negativity that um, we've actually scrapped one of our interviews because, uh, honestly they didn't understand the fact that there were some difficulties. We had to change things around and plain and simply, I've been very sick and haven't been able to record up until recently. So unfortunately their interview is not going to get played, but we do have two interviews lined up for this show. We're going to have Josh Gates on. And then after Josh Gates, we're actually going to have Andrea Albin an up and coming female and whore yes. to come on and discuss uh, females and whore appreciation month because the morbidly made fully supports that. Yeah, and you know, that's something else that I wanted to say you started out with, with somebody who was about negativity and that's kind of why their, their interview got, got scrambled. And also because they, you know, they made a post on their Facebook wall that I really uh, did not appreciate. And I, I think that it was unfounded and most of the information in, in that post was incorrect. And I, I feel that they just handled the situation the wrong way. Instead of maybe just um, approaching me or you um, solo, you know, they decided to put something out there publicly. And I do not appreciate that one bit because actions like that are not going to get you anywhere. No, I agree, and we're definitely not very closed off. I mean, I try and stay active with people as much as I can, and that's the whole basis of our show. We're we're not closed off, so if anybody ever has an issue, they can always get a hold of us. Right. There's Facebook, there's email. 
I mean, come yeah, on. Yeah, exactly. What more do you want? But moving past all of that crap. Yes, please. Mike, what what have you watched recently? Because uh, let, let's cover you first. <laughs> well, if you look at my uh, Get Glue feed on Facebook, I'm, I'm trying to think. I know uh, Cheaters was on there. That's a definite staple. That's an everyday staple. It's not <laughs> horror, but I love it. I mean, the last episode, the one that I saw this, this wife uh, took a taser to her cheating husband. That was, uh, well, that's horrific in a sense, I guess. Yeah, it's also a little entertaining. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's like... And he burps, yes. Um... <laughs> and then uh, let's see I, I forget because I, I think there, there was some other stuff that I watched that I forgot to use the uh, the get glue thing but but I don't think it was really anything that major uh, I did watch uh, Bar Rescue because I enjoy Bar Rescue where the guys go in and uh, you know fix up failing bars and, and try to make them profitable so they can stay open uh, but other than that, I really haven't been watching much horror-related stuff, which is kind of a shame, I guess. Uh, wow. <laughs> I want to hey, see Falling you know. Skies. Well, is it, it, it oh, does no, look good. You're going to have to let us I'm know. Sorry, not, not Falling Skies. Falling Skies is a TNT TV show. It's Dark Skies. It's a Weinstein yeah. film. So. Yeah, you're, you're actually going to have to let us know how that is, because I'm, I'm kind of curious. It's it's a it's a dimension film, so that means so, that it's going to be yeah. grade A perfect. Well, it means that you're you're going to think it is. <laughs> but um, before I get into my list, I, I feel it's slightly necessary to to at least let people know why. Um, recently, I've had the flu. Oh, uh, boo hoo! No excuse. Yeah, well, I haven't really left the house in a couple days. Uh, I've been pretty much able to sleep and watch stuff so um my list is a, a little long i'm not gonna really take a lot of time to get into it yeah, um yeah, you, uh, you know I, I just gotta say something about that okay uh, okay I'm, I'm gonna hide you from facebook because if you get sick again i'm definitely <laughs> gonna hide you because i hate going on facebook and my news feed is filled with john rhodes checked into this on get glue checked into this on get glue it's like i have to like scroll through pages and pages and pages of him checking into stuff on get glue i don't care at that point like look at me i i maybe check into maybe one maybe two things a day maybe there was one day where i checked into five things not in a row but still just five things but this gentleman my god sir it's like just well, one I thing after the other i think <laughs> I think that you were checking into stuff before you finished watching the previous stuff just so you could just keep building in your your uh, your check-in list or whatever it is. Cause no, actually... I know actually, people that do that, though, dude. They sit no, there and I, they check into, like, usually what I'll do, 500 things. Like, honestly, usually what I'll do as soon as I uh, put the movie in, on, whatever... Right. I usually check right in straight away as soon as it starts. Yeah, I do that too, usually. Yeah, but uh, I'm just going to start right into it. Um, I watched Night of the Comet. Okay. Uh, 976 Evil. Okay. Tremors. Yes. Uh, My Bloody Valentine. I actually watched that with the girlfriend on Valentine. 81, good. Yeah, the original. 
I watched uh, Here Comes the Boom. Oh, which I was got the funny. Blu-ray. I bought that. It's pretty funny. All right, good. I watched uh, My Name is Bruce. Oh, we don't want to go there because I'll, I'll, I'll agitate you, I'm sure. Uh, the Hills Have Eyes 2, the, the uh, remake. Yeah, I want to get that. I have it. it. I just got to watch it. Uh, Skyfall. Yes. Yeah, it was good. Uh-huh. Uh, Conan the Barbarian, the Arnold Schwarzenegger oh, one. Thank God it's not that dreadful remake. Nope. Uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yes. Yeah. Classic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Smiley. Yeah, well, I got to watch that. As, yeah, it's not as bad as everyone says, but it's not great. So it's uh, not bad, I watched, but it's not good. So. Yeah, I watched uh, Killer Joe. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Sleepaway Camp, mm-hmm. which, yeah. Did you do two or three yet? I haven't watched two or three oh, yet. Time. Uh, I watched uh, the Dukes of Hazard movie. Uh, I haven't seen that one yet. Uh, Fire in the Sky. I uh, haven't seen that yet either. Fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Man with the Iron Fist. Uh, Quentin Tarantino Presents. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Silent Hill Revelation. Yeah. Uh, Harry Potter. How many Harry Potters? Just one. Just the first one. That's disappointing. I have the Blu-ray set. I've been meaning to catch up and watch them all because I haven't seen any of them yet. Uh, well, I was kind of forced into that. Um, you should why? Come on. You know what? That's what we should do. We should get on the phone and I'll play the Blu-ray and you watch your DVD and we'll watch it together. Ah. Uh, uh, I also watched Frank and Weenie. I want to watch that too. I, I picked that up a few weeks ago. Actually, um, it's not it's not bad. But if you picked up uh, a Nightmare Before Christmas, a special, yeah, wow. you actually have uh, the original short of Frank and Weenie, and I I like that better. Really? Well, see, because here's what I'm thinking: Frank and Weenie is Tim Burton, right? But yeah, Dark yeah. Shadows is also Tim Burton, and I'm coming to the realization that Tim Burton cannot direct live-action movies anymore. I, I think eh. that Tim Burton is only should only stick to CGI films. Well, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. See, I... If you're going to tell I'm me that Dark Shadows that. is a, a decent film, if you're going to tell me Dark Shadows is a decent film, we're going to have words, because I have not seen it, but just from the trailers, I can tell you that it shits on what the original series was. Oh, it does. It does. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie about that. Mm-hmm. But let, let's hold on because we, we've, we're we not done yet, like I said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's sad. I also watched Doomsday. Ah. McDowell's in uh, that one. Yeah, that's a good movie. Mm-hmm. Gotta see it. Um, Excision, which was really interesting. Yeah, I want to see it. And finally, one of Mike's favorites, Slaughter High. Motherfucker, yes. <laughs> see this one came to me highly highly endorsed by mike oh. and i finally sat down and watched it um not gonna lie i actually forced myself to stay awake because i still had a fever at the time i wanted to pass out but i i watched the whole thing okay. and oh, whoa, whoa. Stop. Stop. <laughs> stop, stop, stop 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 okay how would you have to force yourself to stay awake? Did you... Okay. First of all, Marty in the jester hat. 
and then that little doesn't that scare the shit out of you it no it wasn't scary at all are you on drugs how is it not scary at the time i think i was but not that kind of drugs um well, I had to force myself to stay awake because I had such a high fever, but it, it wasn't scary to me. The concept is interesting, and I, I don't know. And that's that's why I actually got so much into your talk once we started talking about it, about the possibilities of remaking that, what, what you know, the movie could be like if, if somebody sat down and actually remade it now. Exactly. And, uh, yeah, I think that that is something that we would like to pursue. I mean, I I did contact, and I know I told you this, I contacted Mark Ezra, who is one of the writer and directors of the film, uh, because I'm trying to find out who holds the rights, because I think that um, we should sit down and try to write a remake and then possibly make a remake. Because, look, first of all, how hard is it to get an abandoned school that we could just dress up? Can't be that difficult. <laughs> Listen to you and you're like, you're like laughing. You're like, yes, it is, you stupid idiot. Yeah, it's probably not that fucking easy. <laughs> well, no, see, that's why if we get the, the rights holder on board with us, which is why we should just have this treatment and stuff ready to go. So we could just like send it off them and be like, dude, here we go. We got this. We're awesome. This is going to be the best freaking movie you've ever seen. I'm like, did you <laughs> well, see the I... 1986 original? Well, this is the 2013 remake, and this is going to knock your socks off because Marty's back with a vengeance, motherfucker. I mean, this is something huge. I'm not really sure if we're ready for it. I'm not really sure if I'm ready oh, for you're it. we're ready for it. <laughs> but, you know, I think it's interesting to kick around the ideas. And, you know, honestly... I'm sure both of us would be thrilled to hear what our listeners think. Oh, yeah. I would love to hear if any of our listeners have actually seen Slaughter High from 1986. Hell, yeah. I, I doubt most have. Probably not. See, that's why, like I said, remakes are invented for this reason. Because the movie is obscure. Not many people have seen it. So, technically, you can remake it. Uh, and we're going on the 17th anniversary, so, yeah, technically you can remake it. Well, yeah, I think anything can Not be 17th, remade. I'm sorry, 27th. That's right, 27th anniversary. Yeah, I was going to say 17th. Yeah. Doesn't... But I think anything can be. It's just, it, it's a really tricky question to get into. When's too early? You know, what to do? I mean... When it comes down to a remake, are we talking about shot for shot? Are we talking about rebuilding the whole concept from the ground up? It's it becomes really, really tricky. And I think we have another fan roundtable topic. Most likely, but let's save that for another time. And uh, let's let's take a quick break. We'll get into our interview with Josh Gates right after this.
Marty Ranson was the dork of Doddsville High. You get undressed in there. His classmates laughed at him. Are you ready? Here's Marty. Where's the They tormented him. Where's the <laughs> And then they went too far. Now, five years later, Marty's throwing a little party. A class reunion. Come on, you guys, let's party. They say he still roams the nut house, ever hopeful of that chance to escape, so he can take his evil revenge out on us all. And he's making sure everyone has the time of their life. I feel sick. He's created a romantic atmosphere for rekindling old flames. And a nice place to just hang around. Marty hasn't forgotten a thing. He's giving them a blast from the past they'll never forget. Marty Ranson is still a dork. But tonight he's getting even. Vestron Pictures presents Slaughter High. Josh, I know you got a new show called, or coming out called Stranded. Um, is there anything that you could tell us about that? For sure, yeah. Uh, Stranded premieres uh, on Sci-Fi uh, this coming Wednesday, February 27th at uh, 10, 9 central. And it is a brand new paranormal series. And it is executive produced by myself and by Jason Bloom, who is uh, one of the creators of Paranormal Activity. And his movie Dark Skies is, is out right now. So Jason's a real force in the uh, horror world. It's also produced by um, the team over at Ping Pong Productions. They make Destination Truth, and they make a, a very popular show called Finding Bigfoot. So we have a lot of cool people uh, involved with this project. And basically, it's a, uh, it's a ghost hunting show, but it's a, it's a new take. You know, what we're doing is we're taking not professional paranormal investigators. We're, we're taking, you know, average folks who, who are interested by the paranormal, they, some of them are believers, some of them are skeptics, some of them are you know, somewhere in the middle. And we take small groups of these uh, people and we invite them to actually live in a haunted location for five days to move in. And they go in there and we kind of voyeuristically observe them from the outside. The properties are covered in surveillance cameras and they have their own cameras. But there's no camera crew, there's no script. We just watch what happens when these uh, people are asked to live in a haunted house. It's a really neat concept. I, I have to admit, I really, I really like that. I'm intrigued. Now, yeah, you know, we're we're excited about it. You know, there's there's um in in the years I've been doing Destination Truth and working with the Ghost Hunters uh, team on Ghost Hunters Live. You know, there's there's obviously you guys know a huge fan base for the paranormal, and and I'm just everywhere I go, you know, people say, hey, I'd love to come on Destination Truth, or I'd love to come on Ghost Hunters, and this is an opportunity for people that are interested by the paranormal to to live it, you know, to, to be a part of it. So that's one of the things that we're really excited about. No, absolutely. Um, now, will you actually be hosting this in any capacity, or are you just a producer? Yeah, I'm not going to be hosting it. You'll, you'll hear my voice uh, at the very beginning of the show, um, but 
we talked a lot about that. You know, there was some discussion about whether I would be on camera or whether maybe Jason Bloom would be on camera at the beginning of the show. But really, we, we want this to be the story of um, the people that are going to be living in these places. And we really wanted to stay kind of hands-off and let their footage tell the story. And so we decided to keep it very simple and to follow their cameras and follow our surveillance cameras and kind of stay out of it and just, you know, kind of stay back and watch what happens to them. And, and the results are really scary. Nice. I'm really intrigued. Now, um, all the places you've been, is there any place you'd like to see Stranded take place? Oh, lots. You know, for for the first season, we have six episodes uh, coming up that start Wednesday night, and, and um, they're in six very scary places. Five of them are here in the United States, and one of them is up in uh, uh, British Columbia in Canada. But, you know, our hope is that the show does well, and we go make a whole bunch more of these, and at that point, we'd love to open it up to international locations. I mean, we're really looking for properties that have um, a lot of history, a lot of reports associated with them, and places where people could, you know, actually survive for a week. You know, we can't have a place with no roof on it and, you know, rain pouring in and stuff. It has to be sort of semi-livable. And yeah. so there's all sorts of, of great, you know, castles and, and uh fortresses and prisons and, and stately homes overseas that, that would be great for this. So I think in the future we, we might be able to uh, expand where we take the show. Uh, but I have to say, for the, for the first six, the, the locations are all very atmospheric, they're very scary, and they have a lot of reports associated with them. So I'm thrilled with the places that we're filming now. Now, with that being said, uh, can you actually give us a hint as to any of these six we may be seeing this season? Sure. Uh, some of them will be familiar to, to fans of, of Paranormal TV. They, they, a few of them have, have been in other, uh, other programs. Uh, the first um, location, the one for the Wednesday premiere, is uh, an old hotel uh, on an island uh, off the coast of New Hampshire. So talk about Stranded. You know, the, the three participants that are going to be in the first episode, they are literally cut off from the outside world. You know, they're, they're brought out to this island by boat. They don't really know where they're going. They know that they're going to be spending a week in a place that's purportedly haunted. That's about all they know. And uh, they take a boat out there, and they, they have to live out in this old rambling hotel for a week. You can kind of think about like something like The Shining. You know, it's, it's like moving in to be a caretaker of one of these properties. So first one will be there. And then for the remainder of the episodes, we have everything from old historic mansions to uh, an abandoned prison, uh, an abandoned hospital. You know, very, very um, different places, very, very distinct from one another. They're all, you know, really, really scary. Nice. I, I gotta say, I'm really looking forward to that. Well, yeah, we're we're thrilled about it. You know, we we think that um, the nice thing about this show is that it's a complement, you know, to the other paranormal shows that are out there. I think when it comes to professional paranormal investigators, we have the ghost hunters, we have people that we know and respect and trust that do that work. This is really um, a complement to that. It's not about professional investigators. It's about everybody who's a fan of the paranormal, and not just believers. We have folks on the show that are, that are skeptics as well, and so this is an opportunity for them to put themselves in the shoes of a professional investigator and, and really um, you know, live in that world. No, and I think that's really good, and that's intriguing because the amount of exposure out there with the professionals has got so many other people interested in trying this at home in their own local areas that I think this is a great venue for those people. Well, I certainly hope so, and and, and uh, we had uh, you know some great folks apply to be on the show the first time around, and and uh, obviously we were you know we just did the six episodes, so it's my hope that we'll make a whole bunch more, and and. Uh, 
be able to open it up for applicants from you know all over the country to 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 be on the show. Nice. Now, being a fan of your other show, Destination Truth, I have to ask: out of all your investigations, which one stands out the most to you? I think it it probably depends on the on the criteria. I, I think in terms of like the one that that's my most favorite, it's probably our uh, our Antarctica uh, paranormal episode, and and. Really, for me, just because it was the hardest episode to film, it was really difficult to get down there, and uh, it was so gratifying to make that trip come together, to be able to go down to the bottom of the world and to showcase these abandoned um, locations that you know most people, myself included, you know, had never seen before. So for me, that was that was really thrilling. Um, you know, in terms of other paranormal investigations, I think our, our time at Chernobyl and uh, the Island of the Dolls in Mexico those those really stand out to me as well. And um, as some of the certainly the scariest places we've visited. Now, with you saying that, I, I do have to agree. I, I think a lot of what you were talking about with the uh, Arctic one did come through. I thought that was a very good episode. But with you saying the scariest, I have to ask: with everything that you've experienced, what would you say is the scariest thing that you have experienced? Uh, I think the scariest place that we visited was Chernobyl, and, and it was a it was a combination of it being physically scary. You know, this 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 idea that there is lethal radiation kind of lurking around uh, everywhere, and also just it was visually the scariest place I've ever been. You know, I mean, it's not just an abandoned room or an abandoned building; even it's an abandoned city, and so it just felt like something out of you know an apocalyptic horror film. I mean, it, it's just. Uh, just the scale of emptiness there is so terrifying, and, and every room you walk into just looks so scary, you know, and, and so it really was an unnerving place to investigate. Oh, I can imagine, and I, I just finished your book about a month ago, I believe, and that chapter on Chernobyl was pretty startling, I have to say, to, to get the full realization of the experience from your point of view. That was... That was something else. Yeah, well, I, I appreciate you reading it, and yeah, I mean, look, it's it's a it's a scary spot, you know. It's uh, it's one of those places that uh, the kind of hubris of of man kind of you know got us in trouble, and uh, and now nature is kind of reclaiming it. You know, it's a really scary spot. No, I totally agree. But I have to ask, with all the amazing and exotic places you've been, where would you suggest someone go? Well, again, I think it depends what you're what you're after for a vacation, for for a uh, for an adventure trip. I, I love Southeast Asia. You know, I always recommend to people that are interested in travel who want to go someplace that's outside their comfort zone, um, but you know, manageable. I always recommend Southeast Asia, Thailand, Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos. That's kind of my corner of the world. I I, I love it over there. Um, it's affordable. Uh, there are amazing adventures to be had. You know, you've got diving and hiking and beautiful beaches and very cool cities, great food and just really lovely people. So I, I always kind of try to steer folks to, towards Southeast Asia. In terms of, you know, um, the paranormal and investigating, I mean, what's really neat is some of the places that we visit on the show are, are places that are open to the public. You, you can actually go to Chernobyl. You can't spend the night uh, very easily, but you can visit there now um, for an hour or two on kind of a limited basis with, a, uh, with an organized tour. And... Um, a lot of the ruins and temples and places we've been are, are, 
you know, um, accessible to the public, which is great. So uh, I think it's about what you're what you're interested in. But in terms of uh, just adventure travel, uh, I'd usually point my compass toward uh, Southeast Asia. Nice. Now, since you're quote unquote a professional monster hunter. <laughs> And you threw this out there. Where would you suggest somebody go to try and encounter the paranormal? You know, I think that um, for me, the, the, the places that have been the most compelling in terms of the paranormal are the places that have the most history. You know, places that have seen a lot of death, that have seen a lot of um, life um, extinguished. I mean, those those are the places to me that uh, that have that kind of energy. You know, when you walk into a place, sometimes you just feel that that kind of bad juju where you, where you sort of think, oh, something happened here, you know. And so for me, um, you know, some of the places that we visited, uh, Masada in, in Israel, um, some of the wreck diving we did, we did a kind of underwater paranormal thing in the Pacific in a uh, Japanese um, underwater, you know, graveyard of ships from World War II, places where there were real losses of life. Um, and that's certainly true domestically here with prisons and hospitals and places like that. Those are the spots for me that, that always feel like they have the most energy right when you walk through the front door. So that's, that's typically my, my advice. Nice. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, real quick, Josh, uh, we actually have a caller for you. Um, Scott, are you still there? Yeah. Hey, Scott. Hello. Hey, how's it so, going, Josh? Pretty good. Thanks for calling in. Yeah, of course. Um, man, I'm a huge fan. I absolutely love Destination Truth. Um, I, like, I watched all of the episodes on Netflix in three days. So. Wow, that's a commitment. I appreciate it. Yeah, pretty much straight through. Um, and, you know, I'm sure you get this all the time, but I'm just wondering if and when it's going to be coming back. Yeah, that's that's been a hot button question uh, from a lot of uh, people lately. You know, my the the thing about working on um, any of these uh, shows is that it's hard to do more than one at a time. And so, for the last really for the last six months or more, I, I've kind of had my head down uh, with with Stranded, uh, trying to uh, produce that series and, and bring it to uh, bring it to the Sci Fi Channel. So, um, Stranded airs Wednesday night, and we have six episodes. And now that we're kind of wrapping up the show and finishing it, now we're starting to open that conversation again about what will happen next, and will we make more Destination Truth, more Stranded, things like that. So I think it's one of those kind of uh, stay-tuned answers, which I know is not very satisfying, but um, I'm really hopeful that, uh, that you'll enjoy Stranded as well. And, and, but look, you know, traveling and travel television is really in my blood, and so uh, the, uh, the kind of stuff I'm doing on Destination Truth is still obviously of, of real interest to me. That's, that's what I love doing. So hopefully um, you won't have to wait too long. Yeah, nice. I hope not. I'm definitely going to check out Branded and uh, just know that there's millions of people waiting to see some truth. Well, I really appreciate that. Thanks, man. Yeah, of course, man. Have a great one. You too. Thanks for calling in, Scott. Thanks, man. And, Josh, before uh, we let you go, we actually have some fans that were unable to join us right now. Okay. But they did write in their questions. Um,. I have one from Justine who asks, how do you actually get involved with Stranded? For the initial episodes, well, how, how a fan gets involved or how I got involved? Uh, well, how a fan would get involved. Yeah, uh, um, 
you know, uh, for the very first set of episodes that we did, we used a variety of, of you know, methods of, of uh, soliciting folks for the show, everything from Craigslist to uh, casting directors putting notices out in, in newspapers and on radio and stuff. So um, we had quite a lot of, of applicants for the first round of shows. Uh, and uh, as I said, you know, my, my hope is that we'll make more. And when we do, uh, certainly we'll have that information up at sci-fi.com. So if you, if you go to sci-fi.com slash stranded, there's a webpage that's up and running there for the new series. And uh, if we start to go to make more of them, we'll certainly use that as a place to, uh, to let people know that uh, they can get involved. Nice. And uh, if you guys do pick it up, uh, just saying, I, I'm in the eastern part of America. Uh, I'm more than willing to take part. So there we go. Yeah. Well, you know, we're, <laughs> we're usually looking for uh, for a team of, of uh, two, three, four people, different views in the paranormal, and I, I bet you could get a couple different uh, people together with uh, with different beliefs. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, I'm well, there. there we go. So, so stay tuned, and uh, and we'll see you on Stranded. <laughs> that would be awesome. Um, I have another question from our fan in Malaysia, Dan. He actually asked, uh, what inspired you to produce the upcoming show, Stranded? Well, it's, I appreciate the question from, uh, from far, far away. Uh, that's actually where we filmed the very first episode of, of Destination Truth was in uh, Malaysia. And uh, for me, you know, I've been making um, not just monster shows, but the paranormal shows with, uh, with, with Destination Truth. Um, over the years, and uh, and I have been fortunate enough to host uh, Ghost Hunters Live uh, for a number of years, and I really just saw that there was this huge fan base of people that really wanted to get involved with the paranormal, and so we started discussing with Sci-Fi the idea of, of a show where we could get those folks involved, and uh, Stranded really grew out of that uh, as a show that wouldn't be focused on professional paranormal investigators. It wouldn't be focused on um, a team of professionals. It would be um, you know, folks, you know, we, we, we want when you watch the TV to go, hey, that's, that's me, you know, and, and how would I react in there? And how, how would I deal with that situation? So um, the results are really compelling. You know, we have people who don't always keep it together. There, there's crying and screaming, and there's a lot of fear, uh, you know, being in these locations. So you're going to see all that when you watch the show. And that, that's what really made it exciting for, for me as a project is that we were able to look at the paranormal through a different lens. Now, I, I just have to ask, um, will you guys be going through the evidence after each episode, or is it just going to be the people's experience? It's a little, uh, we, we, we don't go through the evidence after each episode. Any kind of visual evidence that they don't happen to notice in the house, but that we see, uh, we certainly put up during the show. They okay. review some of their evidence uh, on their own. They have, you know, they, they have some equipment in there, and they'll review some of that. But a lot of it is very experiential. You know, most people who claim that they live in a haunted place, or most people who have a paranormal experience, they don't usually have the benefit of professional paranormal gear. They say, I heard something, or I saw something or, you know, something, something touched me. And so we wanted to put these participants um, in that world and say, spend five days in this place and see if those things happen to you. You know, see if you can uh, have those exact same types of experiences. So the show is much more experiential in that way, but there is some evidence collected. We didn't want to leave that out of the uh, format completely. And, uh, and there's some really compelling evidence collected, actually. Nice, nice. Well, I have to say I'm intrigued, so I will definitely be checking it out this Wednesday. Terrific. Well, I certainly hope that many more people do as well. It's uh, Wednesday night on Sci-Fi, 10 
9 Central, and you can go to sci-fi.com stranded for uh, lots of uh, updates about the show. All right, and in closing, Josh, do you have uh, anything you'd like to say to the fans out there? I just really hope that uh, they spread the word. You know, uh, I think that um, I'm really uh, confident about Stranded. I think it's a cool show. I think that it's, uh, for people who love the paranormal, it's great. You know, you're going to be able to tune in and see people in these really scary houses. Some of them you're going to love. Some of them you're probably not going to love. Some of the times you're going to go, hey, I would have done the exact same thing. Some of the time you're going to go, man, I wouldn't have done that at all. And that's the fun of it, right? You're going to be able to have this conversation about the paranormal and whether or not the things they're experiencing are real or whether it's all in their mind. And so we're excited for, for um, people to get into that conversation and to watch the show. We just want everyone to spread the word and tell their friends and to tune in Wednesday night. Awesome. So everyone, check out Stranded. Josh Gates, thank you very much for coming on. I can't say how much I actually appreciate this. Well, I'm happy to be here. The pleasure is all mine. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, we're back once again. This time we have a very special guest with us. Uh, we have Andrea Albin. Uh, she is here to discuss Female and Whore Recognition Month and her numerous upcoming projects. Andrea, thank you so much for coming on. You're welcome. Thank I'm really excited to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. No, thank you. I mean, me and Mike were talking about this, and uh, I I've been following you through Facebook. I've been a, a friend of yours for a while, and I have to say... You seem like you've got a lot of stuff in the works, and for a female in whore, I really thought that we should do somebody fresh, up and coming, and I couldn't think of somebody better. So, thank well, you. Well, I appreciate it, guys. <laughs> well, um, what are your thoughts, actually, on uh, the uh, Female Recognition Month of February? I think it's great. Um, you know, the funny thing is, is I know Hannah Veronica, and I know that you know, she basically started the movement just because women in horror don't get a lot of recognition. And it's, you know, you talk about the Scream Queens and you talk, which I'm friends with the great men Scream Queens. I know a lot of them, but there's a, there's a lot of women who go unrecognized in horror. I mean, you have a lot of journalists, you have a lot of filmmakers, and even though we're few, few and far between, it's nice to just have that one month set aside that says, hey, we're out there. We, you know, we're a part of this too. It's not just a male-dominated genre. And, you know, I am good friends with Jen and Sylvia Sosa, who obviously have just kind of pioneered the whole month, especially with their connection to Hannah and a lot of other outlets. So it's, it's been really refreshing to have it just because, like I said, we don't necessarily get the recognition, but that's not what we're going for either. We don't go for the recognition, but it's, it's nice to have that one little month that says, hey, we're over here and we're, you know, we're doing our thing and we like to be a part of it, too. No, I totally agree, and I, I think a, a lot of the, the focus gets shifted, and I agree that there should be at least one month set aside where we can kind of recognize all the work that most of the time does go on notice. It's true, because a lot of, you know, you look at the women that, you know, don't get recognized as often, because like I said, the Scream Queens, you, you know who your Scream Queens are, you know who the faces of the genre are, but those are usually women that are actresses, or 
you know, they've had some sort of role in front of the camera. It's the ones who, you know, they work behind the scenes. Like you have, like I know I mentioned, you know, journalists. I know there's plenty of women writers who have worked on Fangoria and Rue Morgue. And I used to write for Bloody Disgusting back in 2010, 2011. So it's, it's important. I think it's good to recognize because a lot of times women, we don't get recognized for being a part of the genre as much as men do because it's few and far between. You know, there aren't a lot of us that do it. And it's because, you know, I I, I say this a lot, society usually tends to, you know, pigeonhole us. They don't think that we should be involved in things that are bloody and gory and, you know, people that are cursing. And it's it's this big, you know, thing that surrounds women that we're supposed to be the victims in the movies instead of the ones who are making the victims in the movies, which is, you know, completely untrue. (laughs) Well, I I agree, and I think uh, we've been starting to see that trend shift a little bit. And uh, I'm glad to say that we have you with us as kind of one of these uh, females in horror that's helping this shift happen. Somebody's got to do it. You know, I make jokes all the time. I have seen, you know, it, it, it started when I was a kid. I watched horror movies from the time I was six years old. I'm still a huge horror movie fan. If it's horror, I will go and watch it in theaters. I will rent the video. I will do what I need to do to support the genre. And it's, you know, I look at it and I go, I could do that better. You know, there's there's some movies out there that I don't think were done to the to the best of what they could have been. There's, you know, certain specific projects that, you know, of course, I'm not going to attack anybody's project. I think all films deserve that equal shot. But it's, you know, I look at some of them and go, I could do better. And that was kind of how I eventually got started into things. And I went from, you know, I do own a management firm as well, and we represent a lot of people in the genre. You know, I've worked with everyone over the years from Sid Haig to Tony Todd to, you know, one of my first clients was actually Kane Hodder. So it's it's kind of come full circle. You know, it was it was one of those things where Scott Spiegel, my producing partner, has been urging me to produce for years, and finally last year he, you know, we took a stab at it, and we decided to open up our production company, and here we are. So it's it's a little overwhelming, but I'm glad that I'm finally going to be able to, you know, help make the films that I envision and, you know, just kind of add to the genre more than I have been able to already just as a journalist and with everything else that's been going on. Well, you brought up your production company. What is the name of your company, just so everyone's aware? Fatality Films. <laughs> It's it's definitely a cool name. Um, it was actually Scott's idea. He came and he goes, you know, we were throwing around ideas. And obviously he has Raw Nerve Productions, which he shares with Eli Roth and a couple of other well-known people. And it, it kind of got thrown into, okay, what do we want to do that kind of, you know, goes with death, but it's not quite, I was in fatality films, seemed like a really cool idea. So I credit Scott with that, but, you know, it's it, we've definitely ran with it and made it a brand. Now, I know you guys have already got a uh, film in the works. Is this correct? We do, yeah. It's called um, it's called Die Maniac Sigh. And, you know, it's kind of funny how that script got sent to me. It was actually sent to my management firm. And one of my writers, Bill Ransville, he's been with us since, you know, we started the ADA management group, which is my management firm. He's been with us for years. And the funny thing is, is that Bo is a diehard horror fan, but he writes children's movies for a lot of his like work that he does for screenwriting. So he came to me and he goes, Andrea, I got this really fucking cool script. It's off the chain. You're going to love it. It's, there's a lot of blood, a lot of gore. you got to read it. If one of my friends did it, you have to read it. Well, anybody who knows me, I, I, I get this like, 
sense of urgency only when somebody else tells me that I have to read it. So Bo tells me I have to read it. It's one of his friends. I'm like, I, I don't want to read this script. So I threw it at poor Joanna, who works for me at my management firm, and she's been my best friend since we were 15. And I said, Joanna, read this. Tell me if it's garbage or not. And I, I had such an attitude about it that's <laughs> kind of funny now. Um, so she read the script. She read it within a day, and she, you know, we were sitting in the office, and she looks at me and goes, you got to read the script. And I sat down, I read it in one sitting, and I honestly have to say, you know, I, whether it was when I was reviewing movies or even when I started to get involved with production, this is one of those movies that it has such a genuinely original storyline to it that nothing is going to compare. And it's, I mean, I guess you could compare it to, you know, it's, it's going to be one of those, you know, splat pack splatter movies when it gets said and done, but it has a, it has an urban legend story behind it. So it had a it had a purpose, and I I took it and I I read it and I said you know what I'm going to send this to Scott. So basically the chain of events went. I sent it to Scott, who sent it to literally everybody he knew. Then I sent it to Barbara Cranston because Barbara and I have been friends for years, and she's you know she's represented by our firm. And I sent it to Barbara Cranston. Before I knew it, it's Christmas Eve, and I get a phone call from Stuart Gordon asking me to send him the script. He goes, can you overnight it to my house? And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, I was just like, of course I'll overnight it to your house. It was just like a little overwhelming, but I actually sent it to him. And before I knew it, everybody was in love with the script. I mean, we had, you know, we had Barbara attached. We have Nick Principe from Late to Rest attached to it. Scott is producing with me. And um, Jordan McClure, actually, who just did Children of Sorrow, he he's signed on to be a director, um, the director for it. And, I mean, the screenwriters are, you know, over the moon. I mean, those two are incredibly talented. They've never had anything produced before. This was their first script that they had brought to us as a team. It's it's so in your face and insane. I can't even express to you like what's going to happen in this movie. Like it's it's if you like bloody horror movies that have an actual story behind it, you're going to love this movie. There's no doubt. So is this going to be kind of like a slasher film, or I'm just trying to? I don't want to give a lot you know what's funny is when the script first came across my desk and I was starting to pitch it to people and, you know, I took it to Scott and I sat at dinner with Scott one night and I said, "What? how are we going to pitch this? Because it's so unexplainable. It's I, I, I describe it as like a hybrid zombie movie. That's not a lot of what it is, but it's, it's a movie that's set in an asylum and you have these kids who are investigating like the lore and the legend that's going on in this asylum. But the characters are so insane. Like, I'll actually, I'll use Barbara Crampton's character as an example. She plays Hagatha. And Hagatha is actually this, she's a necrophiliac who, you know, in a, a, she, she's insane. And the girl is, she thinks she's an old woman, but she thinks she's a little girl. And so she has like these, it, it, it's a dream character for anybody who, you know, is appreciative of the acting world. And Barbara is so excited to play this role. I mean, Barbara's been, you know, behind this project since day one. And Nick actually, um, you know, we gave the script to Nick, and Nick said that it's honestly the best script that he's ever read. And, you know, he'll be, he would be happy to do an interview with you guys and talk to you about it once we get closer, because Nick is, Nick and Barbara, the two of them, have been behind this project since day one, aside from me and Scott. And it's just been, it's, it's hard to explain the script. It's, it's one of those, once it hits, you know, theaters or video or, you know, I'm not sure what the future of the film is in terms of distribution, but once it does hit, I mean, you guys are going to, I have a feeling the horror genre is going to wrap themselves around it and really appreciate what it is. 
Wow, it, it does sound really interesting and promising with uh, the feedback that you're, you're telling us. I got to say, I'm actually quite interested in it. It's it's cool. Like it's I I get a lot of crap on my desk. I mean, you guys, it's it's horrible how many people will send garbage to our office. Like I've had I've had scripts that I've read that I just I I want to throw it at them and go, you guys need to start over. Like this is fucking horrible. And you know, Scott Scott is very particular about the scripts that come on our desk. And I've sent him you know multiple projects. I mean, me and him are going through. We have Dimeniac Five, but we also have probably about six other scripts that we're debating, including one that Scott's actually wanting to sign on to direct. And we've been, you know, going through scripts, and it's it's really hard. I feel for Scott and my intern because I usually send them the scripts first to tell me if it's good or not. And you know, my my intern Kayla, which you know she she's definitely a comedian. I mean, she'll tell me, you know, uh, the script is worse than meh. That was actually what she said to me in an email today. And so it it was refreshing when Dimeniac Spy came on our desk, and it didn't need that much rewrites. You know, Corey and Eric, who wrote the script. Those two did such an amazing job at building tension and these amazing characters, and they have it set up so perfectly that I, you know, and I would bet my career on this movie, honestly, that's how much faith I have in this movie, is that I could see it being the next Saw franchise if it's done correctly. I could see it being the next Final Destination if it's done correctly. And it's it's hard for me to say that just because I'm, you know, I'm not a big fan of commercial horror because it does get watered down when it hits theaters, and, you know, it's it's not what it is, but if, if you get the right team behind it, there's ways around it. I mean, look at Rob Zombie movies. It just depends on what the team is behind it. And, you know, Scott and I are so committed to this movie that I have a feeling it's going to be something that everybody in the horror community is really going to like. That sounds really good, actually. And um, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to force Mike to abort right now and stop him from uh, sending you our script, just, just so you don't get another <laughs> terrible... Hey, it's okay. I wouldn't say that it's I, terrible, sir. I would take sir. a script from you guys. At least you're forewarning me. I get, I mean, we get some crazy scripts that come out of nowhere, so at least you're forewarning me. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I'm going to subject you to that or not. I wouldn't say it's terrible, sir. <laughs> we went through four drafts, so, you know, <laughs> what do you ex- expect by this point? But well, and you know, it's it's kind of funny because when you look at script reading, because that's originally where my career started. I was nineteen, and I had a movie produced. And you know, everybody's going to make fun of it. The movie's actually going to be on DVD this year, and it's a romantic comedy. Which, when you get to know me, I am not the kind of girl who likes romantic comedies. <laughs> and so it, it's kind of funny that that's where it started. But I hold my screenwriters on such a pedestal. You know, I expect so much out of our screenwriters that. It's important for me to, you know, whether a lot of times we get scripts, they're not ready. You know, all of the screenwriters that are wrote by ADA, I mean, all of them that have, you know, gone through production, they will tell you firsthand, I will sit there and I will go over and over and over the drafts because I don't want them to have to go through what I went through. I wrote, I wrote a script called Cocaine when I was, I, I was about 20 when I wrote that script and I started sending it out to people and the feedback I got was, this isn't good. You know, and they told me what was wrong. And I left out and found a mentor and somebody who I could turn to who works for a bigger management firm out in Los Angeles. And he just kind of walked me through the ropes. And then I got, you know, I ended up having a job actually working for a production company doing rewrites. And, you know, just through Sonia, who was at the company, even through her, it was just, it's, it's, it's a craft. You have, to, you have to mold it. And writing a horror screenplay in particular is just so hard because, 
you have to infuse everything that we've ever seen in the genre, but you also have to infuse something new. And it makes it really hard. So I have so much respect for writers that do succeed more just because it's, it's hard. It's not easy. Well, with you having said all that, is there any advice that you could give any up-and-coming screenwriters out there? I just, you have to keep pushing. You know, it's, it's one of those things where when I started, I got told no half a dozen times I had doors slammed in my face. You know, people told me I fucking sucked. Like, for lack of a better term, they're like, you suck. And it's, it, a lot of times they're going to tell you that because they might not see your vision or they might not see, you know, past stupid things like, you know, formatting and I know that's crazy but like when it gets sent to a reader at a big production company an intern is going to look at the formatting and go oh if it's not formatted correctly I don't want to read it even though the the actual content might be golden so it's just a matter of you have to self-teach you do have to you know just make sure that you know all the ins and outs and you've read one thing that I can't stress enough to new screenwriters and Joanna and everybody at my management firm knows I say this all the time you should read as many scripts as possible. You know, don't worry about the Sid Field books or, you know, the bullshit books that they have at Barnes & Noble. You should just saturate yourself with what other people have done. Like, I, I don't know how many times I've read the Hostel script. I don't know how many times I've read Pulp Fiction. Um, you know, just even, even Scott scripts. Like, Scott sends me his scripts for feedback, and so often they get to read things like, you know, he's actually doing a movie called Zombie Wedding, which it, it sounds really cool. I'm I'm not as involved as he is because he's been working on this for a couple of years now. But it it sounds so cool that I've gotten to you know read the script as he's gone through the stages, and it's it's just so fulfilling as a screenwriter to be able to read other people's work and take that and turn it into your own because that's the best way you're going to learn is from you know it's it's the whole like you know hands-on method. I think it works best for all screenwriters, truthfully. Well, that's great advice. Um, with with so much that you have going on and just for having talked to you, it seems like you have a lot of vision and drive in you. Is there any chance that we'll be getting to see you direct a film at any point in the future? You know, I don't know. I've actually had that question asked to me a lot lately. Um, I just never thought about it. You know, when it comes to – it's kind of funny because my background, I never went to film school. I never – I didn't even finish college, and it's it's one of those things where I would know what to do just from hands-on experience. I mean, truth be told, I've had the best schooling known to man. I mean, I've gotten to work with Scott Spiegel. I've gotten to work with, you know, just some of the biggest names in horror, just getting to know the industry and getting to know the ins and outs. And it's it definitely directing would be something I consider down the road. I just want to make sure that, you know, I get all my ducks in a row with production and understand it from that side before I jumped into that particular seat. <laughs> okay. Well, I look forward to when that day comes because I actually, I have faith in you. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. I, I would love, you know, what's funny is when I was a kid, my, a lot of people know this about me. My mom and dad were my biggest influences. You know, they, it didn't matter what I wanted to do. I wanted to play the flute. My mom bought me a flute. You know, I wanted to play basketball. My mom took me to basketball practice. I even tried cheerleading once, which was a disaster and a half because I am not coordinated. But <laughs> it, you know, it's one of those things where my mom and dad were very encouraging. And I remember I wanted to be an actress. And I was like, I, I was probably 13 when I pulled that shit. And I said, I want to be an actress. I'm going to be in front of the camera. And I remember my mother looking at me and going, you'd be better off as a director or producer. She's like, you're, you're not. She's like, you know, it's not, 
she's like, it's not that you can't act, Andrea. It's just you're going to be happier behind the camera. And, you know, looking at back at, like, all my career choices, because I've gone through everything from, you know, when I was in college, I worked for a men's basketball team. I used to coach basketball for a couple of years. I worked at a community center. I babysat. And all along the way, it's just kind of led to where I'm at because I started my company in 2007. And, you know, now here we are in 2013. And it's kind of funny, you know, I, I never thought I'd see the day when I sat here and went, huh, I guess my mom was kind of right. <laughs> well, um, I I have to ask. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, there, there was a kind of a lot going on. I lost my train of thought, but. No, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, this just occurred to me, and, and you said since, uh. You said you've considered acting early on. Now, are you going to be one of those directors that are always in a cameo in their films, like Tarantino or anything like that? Uh, you know what's funny is I, I've thought about that because I think it would be fun. I think that the way that Quentin does it, because I have so much respect for Quentin Tarantino. I mean, anybody, you know, I've heard all the stories from Scott and, you know, just I have so much respect for him as a filmmaker. I think he does it the best way possible. He's never made himself a leading man. You know, he's never tried to turn himself into a Bradley Cooper or a Brad Pitt. He always does those fun cameos, not even just in his own movies, but, you know, you look at, like, you know, what what did I watch the other night? One of Robert Rodriguez's movies. and I From Dust Till Dawn. I, I can't... Yeah. <laughs> and um, I was even thinking about... Um, I watched Death Proof the other night, and just watching that movie when he's the bartender randomly, you know, you're like, it, it would be so much fun to do that. I would definitely consider doing something like that. And it's... You know what's funny is I actually got an offer the other day to be in a movie, and I said... I can't do that. I was like, I'm, I'm working on the behind-the-scenes stuff. I don't want to be that girl that's in front of the camera yet, even though I get so many requests for it. It would be fun. If it was my movie, I would definitely consider doing that, just because I think that, you know, like I said, Quentin does it the right way. You do the cameo, you're in, you're out, and it's it's a fun little piece, and people remember it, but you're not having to, you know, force yourself to memorize a ton of lines and, you know, have to go to the gym every 10 minutes. So... <laughs> Well, I also think it adds a little bit to the the movie-going experience because people end up watching the film and and looking for that, and it becomes part of the movie-going experience to to find where Tarantino's at or Stan Lee or or any one of those guys. You know they're going to be in that movie, and it's kind Mm -hmm. of fun waiting for it. Yeah, it's. I, I was actually talking about this the other night. I watched the, I, I am probably the one person on the planet who didn't go see the Avengers in theaters. And I finally watched the Blu-ray, yes, uh, two, three days ago. And I was like, I guarantee Stan Lee's going to be in here at some point, And there he is. And I was like, it would be fun to do cameos like that in, you know, as you go through your movies. And, hey, you know, I even look at the fact that we, we run a lot of low-budget movies. If we needed parts that needed to be filled, you know, chances are you're going to see me. You're going to see the girls that work at my firm. You're going to see our poor interns. Like, I would show them in front of the camera. It's just like with my convention that we're doing right now. Like, everybody has a hand in it because we, we operate as a family. So there's always a chance that, you know, one of us is going to end up in front of the camera because I'm low on money and staff. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just mentioned your your film fest uh what is this about um well i i basically had a bright idea that i thought i could run my own horror convention and it it came a lot a lot of people have gotten to know me i actually spent last year i traveled with tony todd a lot which was a huge 
huge experience for me. I was such a huge Candyman fan growing up and even Final Destination and when he was in The Rock. And it was just, it was very humbling to have Tony ask me to be his on-the-road manager and to work with him at a couple of different events last year. And it, it started it started small. I mean, I, I started hitting the convention circuit pretty hard in 2011 when I was repping Kane Potter. I used to follow him to a couple of events. And we did some filming for, you know, his web series and things like that when we were on the road. And last year was just, it was it was so fulfilling to be there with Tony. But I saw, I, I can't even tell you how many bad conventions we were at where it was just, you know, one thing went wrong after the other. You know, people are disorganized. People are unprofessional. And, you know, I, I would come back to the office and vent to the girls, and I'm like, this happened, or this happened, or this, or, you know, I had to help with this. And it just, it got to the point where I was like, I could do it, you know, I, I, I could do it too. And I talked to the girls, and we all, you know, kind of sat down. Because I do want to point that out. My The majority of my staff, with the exception of a couple of interns, is mostly female. So we're, you know, we're, we're the min- minority, I would say. <laughs> and, um, you know, we all sat down, and I said, what do you guys think if I do my own horror convention? And we all kind of sat there and we started throwing around ideas of who we'd want at the convention and what we'd have to do. And I basically took notes all year. And I said, you know, let's let's go full force. Let's do it. You know, if we're going to do it, we're not going to start a small convention. I mean, I'm sure if you guys go to the website, you'll see, you know, we've been picking up bigger guests. I mean, we have Ernie Hudson coming. Tony agreed to come for me, which was huge. Um, you know, and we're looking at our headliners right now. I haven't announced our headliners, so I can't let that slip yet, but... The headliners, I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if you look at our guest list, I bet you, I bet you could guess which reunions we're going for, which pairings. I know that Evil Dead Two's been like a big like thing being thrown around because we have Scott and we have Danny Hicks coming, and you know it's, it's so it, obviously there's been rumblings of us possibly approaching Bruce Campbell, but nothing solid yet. You know we haven't had any discussions with any of our headliners yet, and. We're just trying to make it the best, you know, convention possible. We're having, we're hoping to have around 30 guests, and it's going to be in West Palm Beach, June 7th through the 9th, and we're we're just trying to have fun with it. I think I think one of the biggest honors that I could possibly have is for everybody, you know, all a lot of these people that are, you know, our guests are friends of mine and people I have met over the years, and the biggest honor I could have is just having it work. You know, I'm not looking to turn a profit. I'm not looking to have it succeed for, you know, that purpose. I just want to run a professional convention that, you know, people can be proud of and people will enjoy. And I'm not going to lie, I started some drama over it. You know, there's conventions that are not happy that we are doing a convention in Florida. And it's it's not about us running anybody out of business or, you know, doing something that's going to put somebody, put us on the map and kick someone else out. We just want to create a great experience, and we want to have that, you know, we want to have people come to us again and again, and we're going to do a second event this year. We're actually doing a second convention in Billings, Montana, which is where I'm from, and we're taking a chance on it. I mean, there's Billings, Montana is a very conservative city. I mean, it's it's Hicksville. I'm I'm not going to lie. Like, everybody knows how I feel (laughs) about my hometown. It's the middle of Montana, and it it is the biggest city. I mean, it's definitely not, you know, a small, there's, it's a good chunk of people that live there, but... It's, you know, it's going to be a gamble to bring a horror convention to a very conservative town and, you know, just have everybody kind of either rally around it or think that I'm fucking crazy. It's going to be one of two scenarios, but we've we've definitely worked really hard on this. And, you know, like you did mention, we do have a film festival that is in the middle of it where we're accepting, you know, entries for short films and Scott is actually judging it. And then we're going to have the audience actually going to pick the winners. So, 
we have a lot of cool events. We're, we're focusing, we're doing a lot of panels. We're doing a lot of film screenings. We're having a costume contest. And we rented, the facility that we actually rented is the Marriott in West Palm, and it's right on the water, and it's a huge convention facility. So we're really excited to call that our home as our first year. Nice. That sounds really exciting. And I got to say, I love the fact that you're having so much fan involvement with your your uh, your film festival and your convention together. I, I think that's great. We, we just want to make sure that everybody has a hand in it because the tr- truth be told, and this is something that a lot of conventions lose sight of as they move forward and they progress and they get bigger and bigger, conventions would not exist without the horror fans. That's what it comes down to. I mean, you know, I look at the people that pay the ticket prices and the people that, you know, purchase those hotel rooms and the people that, you know, purchase the autographs for the stars that you bring in. Those are the people that are going to drive you, and those are the people that it, it's just like when you make a movie. You know, you you are bringing a product to the masses, and you have to have it that they, you know, those they're going to support you, and those who support you are the ones who matter, and that's why I've made it a point, you know, on social media. I'm asking everybody, who do you want to see? What are your guys' opinions? You know, just I'm answering questions. Like, you guys have no idea how insane my Facebook page gets. Like, people message me 20 times a day asking can we bring in this person? I want to see this person. And I love that stuff. I take the time every single night that I can and answer everybody's messages and go, this is what we're working on. This is what we're doing. I'd love to see this guest. And I, you know, it's, it's a great way to make friends too. I am, I am probably one of the few convention directors aside from people I'm friends with. Like I know the guys who run Crypticon. I know the guys who run, you know, Monster Mania. Aside from, you know, the ones that I know personally, and it's, you know, we're probably one of the few that we answer our emails consistently. We involve our fans, and we make sure that, you know, we want to give back to the horror community. And that's always been the important part of us starting Fatality Fest and, you know, having it coordinate with everything that we're doing as well. Now, with with all this being said, I got to say your festival sounds really good. I don't know why I keep saying festival. It's it's you know a horror convention. convention <laughs> yeah, Same your convention. <laughs> your convention sounds really good, and I gotta say I agree with you because my local one is not the best. I actually ended up last year and drove. I think it was three hundred and ten miles to attend a really good convention. And I just have to ask: uh, Are you if this is a success? Are you considering you know expanding your convention out to other areas? Absolutely. You know, that's something I I actually hired, um, you know, some new staff members this year, and we've really started hustling in terms of, you know, getting everything pulled together. And it's it's definitely something I see growing. You know, it's it's not necessarily something that I want to just keep in two areas. I want to see it grow. I mean, if I have my way, we'll be the wizard world of horror conventions if I have my way with it. And except we're not going to, you know, when when it comes to the bigger conventions, we're not going to screw people over on ticket prices. We're not going to, you know, offer the same people over and over again. We're not going to, you know, exclude anybody that's entering our film festival that, you know, if we're, we're going to try to outline local movies. I know that's something we're doing in West Palm right now is that, you know, for instance, there's, um, have you guys seen the film Girls Gone Dead by any chance? I've seen it on Netflix. I've heard of it. Um, but I have not actually watched it yet. Okay, it's actually, it's it's a decent movie. It was really good. And, you know, considering the budget it was on, and, you know, but it had it had some cool people in it. I mean, you had Ron Jeremy randomly. You had Linnea Quigley was a part of it. 
And we had a we had a client actually at um, ADA Management Group. He um, he was a part of it, and he introduced me to the producers. We're making a point to have a special screening, you know, particularly for that film because it was filmed in South Florida. So we want to focus on South Florida filmmaking. And you know, even yeah, I'm even trying to get back to people who gave to me early in my career. I look at you know Frank Woodward who runs Weird Productions and. He actually has two great documentaries. He has a flat pack, and he also has Men in Suits, and they're really well-made documentaries. I can't stress enough how amazingly talented everybody at Weird is. And they, when I first started The Bloody Disgusting, Frank was the reason everything started. You know, I, I brought the article to Brad Miska at Bloody, and I said, I want to do this. And that was when I interviewed Eli Roth. I interviewed Adam Green. I interviewed Darren, you know, the did Foxy 3 and 4. I interviewed all these influential directors, and that was how I ended up meeting everybody else. So it was like, you know, I, I felt like I needed to give back, and that's why Frank is actually going to be presenting both Splat Pack and Men in Suits the first night of our convention. You know, and even even our roster of people that are coming, you know, Tony Moran is represented by my company, Bar, um, Barbara Magnolfi, we haven't announced her yet, um, but she's going to be coming, and she's actually, you know, from Suspiria. And I'm such a huge Argento fan, you know, that's, that's definitely huge for me. And then, of course, we have Vernon Wells. We have, you know, Jonathan Houston from Playboy Camp. So we have people that, you know, these are people, a lot of the ones that we announced early on, I mean, these are actors that have supported everything we did. And, you know, I'll be honest with you, I'm only 26. So it's not something you see every day when, you know, girls my age or anybody my age really jumps in this hard and this quick. And so it's so nice that we have that support system and, you know, if we can take that support system and take it to other cities and continue to build our convention and, you know, be able to give back to other communities and other fans who are, you know, interested in having us there, absolutely. You know, we would we would do it in a heartbeat. That sounds great. And uh, I have to say, um, if you wanted to branch out to the northeast in the Pennsylvania, New Jersey area, um, if me and Mike <laughs> could help you out, we would more than gladly help bring the uh, convention this way. Well, you know, it's been up for consideration. We actually have had a, quite a few people ask us to bring our convention up to the Northeast, so that might definitely be something that, you know, we're considering in the near future. We've been asked, the only state I would never bring it to, and it's, it's no offense, it's just California is so oversaturated anyway because it's, you know, that's where everybody makes their movies and they live. I have so much respect for Days of the Dead for doing their convention in Los Angeles. I really hope it goes well for them because, you know, there's so much crap about having to have a you know convention in los angeles people like that stuff too i just i could never see us doing a convention in california it would be really hard <laughs> yeah i can imagine but uh i i do have to say um i i've been following there's uh i believe this is taking part in a convention uh they're actually having an evil dead uh trilogy well not just a trilogy all all four back to back and they're having the ladies of the evil dead there that's got me really excited so yeah um, i heard about that it sounds really cool <laughs> yeah i'm really excited about that I, I just wish that there was a chance of me going to la to see that <laughs> i mean you know in los angeles it's like i said i really i have so much respect for that convention we have a we have even have a client who's going so it's it's definitely going to be a really cool convention, and I wish the guys the best of luck. I think they're, I think they're going to nail it, and I really hope they, you know, like I know that their promoters have said they're going to prove everyone wrong. Let them do it. You know, all the power to them for doing an LA convention. I think they have a cool lineup. I can't really say that they don't. So it'll be fun to see what happens. Yeah, I totally agree. But uh, I, I got to say, 
um, yours is is really kind of refreshing to hear because it's it, you are staying very interactive. You're asking fans who who they would like to see there, and I that's just incredibly refreshing. Like the most I'm used to is them saying, "Hey, would would you attend if we air this movie?" And it's just kind of like uh, maybe. So I, I really like the fact that you're you're actually asking fans on who they would like to see come to the convention. I, I think that's so refreshing. Well, when it comes down to it, you know, your fans are, you know, if you don't bring people that people don't want to see, you're not going to, you know, from a business standpoint, you're not going to sell tickets. And from just, you know, from a standpoint of your reputation and everything that goes into it, you're not going to, you know, attract new people if you don't involve, you know, your group. And I know that one thing, you know, when the girls and I were discussing what we wanted to do with the convention and how to take it forward, I know that one big concern that everyone had is that every convention you go to, it's usually the same people. You know, you can tell who runs a convention by their guest list because they have connections to certain people. And it's it's something that we've, we've discussed. And that's why, you know, I'll make the commitment now. I'll make it in the future. Just we are going to continue to you know, amp up our guest list at every convention. Like we, you know, I, I know that this hasn't been a secret. I've had it out on Facebook, but we're, we're trying to put together, you know, something for Dario Argento, which would be huge. Cause I, I have so much respect for him as a filmmaker. I'm a huge Suspiria fan. I even, you know, I defended his Phantom of the Opera and Fangoria in an article a couple about a year ago. So it's, it's definitely something that would be cool to me, you know, just to be able to meet him and have him at my convention. But it's because everybody, when I put, hey, do you get, would you guys want to meet Dario Argento? Everybody freaked out. I mean, I had over 100 messages in my inbox that next morning going, yes, we want to meet him. So, of course, I'm going to work toward that, you know, and that's something that I could see being a part of our convention for years to come. You know, if people tell me I want to see you know, what, like, one thing that, you know, everybody brought up, they think that the overdead, the walking has been oversaturated, and that a lot of conventions just basically plug their guest spots, which is people from the walking dead, so we made a commitment this first convention, we're not going to have anyone from the walking dead, you know, we, we might have some true blood people, we might have, you know, a couple of other people here and there, but we're, we're going for, you know, we want to do something different, and every convention does, you know, the walking dead, every convention does, you know, certain reunions of certain things. So it's it's refreshing. Like I'm I'm actually very happy to see the Spooky Empire is doing a Warriors reunion. That's never been done before. It was, that's something new and exciting. And that's definitely what we're gonna be going for, whether it's this show or the one in October or in two thousand fourteen. We we just wanna bring the horror community something that they can enjoy and that they want to see. It definitely sounds like it. You got me excited and uh, I hope I can attend one soon. But just I know you guys. I'll I'll have to bring one up there just so that you guys can go. <laughs> oh, absolutely! Yes, please, definitely. Yeah, we're in dire need of really good ones in this area. <laughs> I bet. I mean, the only one I can think of that I've gone to up there. You know, I I've gone to Monster Mania in you know Cherry Hill. I've been there, but other than that, I mean, we were discussing. There's a lot of comic cons up there, but you guys really you know get kind of you know the low blow on the horror side of it. Yeah, and talk about Monster Mania being Walking Dead saturated. That's uh. it is. Yeah, I mean it's it's just an example of one of many that you know I was I was happy that they had Terry Fisher. You know I know that she canceled, but you know it's at, at least he you know tries. I know that there's some though that I've I've looked at the list and I'm like, how many people from The Walking Dead can you put in one room? And it's um it's definitely you know it'll be good 
to, you know, get some new new people in there. And I'm I'm definitely trying to bring, you know, this is not only something different stuff, but you know, even at the management firm, we're recruiting people that don't normally do conventions. You know, it's we want to reach out to people who, you know, don't necessarily get to go on the circuit and they never thought about it and it, it would be something really, really cool to get, you know, bigger names out there that, you know, people want to meet. Like, you know, and I'm, I'm a huge fan. I thought it was great that Jamie Lee Curtis did an event. I wish that she'd do more, but I know that she only did one. So, but it's, it's going to be good to get new faces out there and faces that we're familiar with that have done really, really awesome films in our past that, you know, we love. No, I agree, and I, I think it would be awesome if we could get some of the bigger name people out there that are really hard to come by. Because I, I know when it does happen, so many people get excited about it. And then there's so many people that just can't attend because it's a one-time thing. So if you yeah. can actually bring that to the masses, that would be truly amazing. And, I mean, we work hard on it. You know, the girls and I are constantly on the phones. We're constantly, you know, sending out emails and talking to agents. And we have an advantage, too, that a lot of conventions don't have. And that's just that, you know, we have a management firm. So we understand the side of it that the representatives have where we know they need to get their commissions. We know that, you know, they're going to want top dollar for their clients. They want a guarantee for their clients. They want, you know, this, that, and the other we get that because we represent, you know, names in the genre. You know, we I've been there. I've I've negotiated for Tony before. I've been there when we've had to switch tables with Tony. I've I've been through a lot. Actually, Tony taught me a lot of what I knew on the convention circuit because when I say anything that could go wrong with that man went wrong, it probably went wrong in 2012. So, <laughs> I mean, we had everything from, you know, just cancellations to, you know, people not holding up their end of the bargain to you know, just running late and, like, you know, filming schedules and we'd have to cancel and rearrange. And even at the events itself, you know, I can think of an event I was at last year where it was actually Tony was there, Sid Haig was there, Kane Hodder and Ken Faree were all in this, like, one area. And I think PJ Souls was in the middle of it, too. And the lines were so insane for Sid and PJ and Kane that there was no organization. You know, everything was kind uh. of flying into... And, I mean, it was starting to piss me off because Tony's table was blocked. And, I'm, you know, I'm trying to get people to, you know, go in one direction. And so Kane finally said to me, can you fix it? Like, he got frustrated because it, it's frustrating to the, to the celebrities. And, you know, so I went to, you know, the people running the convention and I said, we need to fix this. They didn't do it. You know, it was they were so busy dealing with other things and they were understaffed. And I finally stood on a chair in the middle of the convention, let out this loud whistle, and I finally got everybody to look at me and organize the line. And Oops. me and one of their volunteers did it. And, I mean, the funny thing is that volunteer is actually coming down to Fatality Fest because I kept his number because he did such a kick-ass job that weekend. He, um, I made sure we, we got everybody's lines in order. We had one line going one direction. We pushed Sid's line out the door and... You know, Tony finally had his table clear, and so did everybody else on that side. Because even, I think, Debbie Rashone and Michael Berryman, they were all, like, in one area, and their tables were blocked because a lot of the names on the other side, you know, their lines were running over. And it was just so confusing, and, like, I had to organize it, you know, and I never want any, you know, managers or agents or anybody on that side to ever have to go through that at our convention. And that's why it's different for us because we've been there. You know, we've seen crap happen, you know. I'll be flat out honest, I actually fired two of my staff members at a convention last year because they screwed up, 
you know, and it's I'm very <laughs> tough on. I mean, it's the stories that came from that convention, but um, you know, it was it, it was definitely a learning experience last year, and I think that that's what's going to make Fatality Fest one of the best horror conventions in the U.S. Once we get this inaugural event done and we do a second event, we're gonna we're gonna be a contender, and I really think that we're gonna have you know the most important part is, is that we're having fun doing it. Well, there, there's something that I, I want to point out that makes you a little bit different, in my opinion, too. Now, you kept this volunteer's number and stayed in contact with him and brought him down to your festival. Yep. And I, I have to say, um, I actually have had an experience with you a couple years ago. I, bl- I would guarantee you have no memory of me, but I thought you were really cool, very nice and supportive. And I know Mike, once we got talking about you, has also had an experience with you in the past, and we just agreed that you're so personable, very nice, and, and always incredibly helpful that I think you stand out in this genre, in this field, for that. Oh uh, well, I appreciate that, because it's definitely, you know, it's hard, because there's assholes. Like, it's, you know, I deal with it on a daily basis. There are so many assholes in, not even just this genre, but this industry is, oversaturated with apples (laughs) and um you know it's it's one of those things where you know i i I hold a lot of it to my upbringing you know if you anybody who ever knew my parents knew that they would you know they would give anything for any of my friends for anybody in our family so it it definitely has a lot to do with the upbringing but it's also one of those things that i i know that reputation is everything and i'm not one of those people that's going to run people over or be a total bitch about something. I mean, if, if it's got to get done, it's got to get done. You know, I, it's like Scott, Scott said that I'm a, like one of, I can't remember if it was one of our PAs or something, but they said I'm an undercover bitch on set because I can snap pretty quickly (laughs) when I'm pissed, but it's, I'm not that way normally, you know, I'm very personable and I make it a point, you know, a lot of times you get on social media and, you know, people can be assholes. You know, people can, you know, send you messages that are, un, you know, unnecessary or, you know, people at conventions can be asses. Like, it, it's surrounded everywhere you go. And I've always had a philosophy that as long as I'm nice to everybody and I'm good to everyone, it's just going to come back on me. You know, it's, it's going to be, I'll have a lot of people reach out to me and say, you know, you did this for me at this. And I might not always remember, but I'm like, if I can make a difference in someone's life at that level, then that's great. You know, I want to make sure that I'm that person that, you know, you can talk shit about me if you don't like me for some odd reason, which does happen. I do have people who hate me, but it's, I would rather have, you know, those two bad apples and have like 20 other people go, Hey, you've made a difference. And one, you know, one in particular case is this, this gentleman that I'm not going to call him out. You know, I don't want to embarrass him, but he, he reached out to me on Facebook because he wanted to bring Camille Keaton to the convention and I actually did not know Camille before the convention and I said well you know do you know her and he he actually knew her like they were friends and he wanted to come and volunteer and be a part of it he gave me her phone number I reached out we worked it out Camille's obviously you know she's been announced she's coming to Fatality Fest in June and ever since then he's been such a sweetheart you know he reaches out to me every day I, I answer all of his questions he you know he's He's very, you know, back and forth with me. He likes to talk about, you know, things outside of the convention. He's a nice guy. And I just love the fact that, you know, every day I get a message that's like, hey, you're awesome. Like, I would rather wake up to those messages than the usual, like, hey, your movie sucks. Hey, you suck. Like, I, I, that one positive message can make a difference in your day. And that's why I've always tried to be that way so that there's, you know, no negativity coming in. <laughs> well, 
I, I got to say, you stood out to both me and Mike and actually made yourself memorable. And I really want to thank you for that. And I also want of to course. thank you for Fatality Fest because this sounds really good. And Fatality Films because you, you're, you're doing what so many of us have thought so much that, you know, we watch something and we think we can do this better. And honestly, I, I just want to thank you for, for taking that step and, and opening that door for more females out there because uh, I think the genre needs it. You know, it's kind of funny. The the Jen and Sylvia Tosca, I've been friends with them now since 2011, so we're going on like a two-year friendship, which might not seem long, but in the industry, that's a pretty long time. And I was actually introduced to their work by Eli, and, you know, we started, we, we started communicating. I did an article about them that went up on Bloody Disgusting, and... The girls and I, we've connected on a whole different level, and it, it, a lot of it has to do with the fact, yeah, we are women that work in the genre. I mean, they're, you know, those two are two of the few female directors that exist, and we we were just discussing, you know, how big of a difference it makes when, you know, women support each other, and I think that's what makes horror a little bit different, because I think on, you know, everybody that I know, like, you know, for instance, Jessica Cameron, I have so much respect for Jessica. She signed on with our management firm, but she also produces, and she also has so many other things going on. And, you know, the Sofkas obviously have so much respect for them. Hannah Naronica, I have so much respect for her because she, you know, she goes above and beyond what she should be doing. You know, she she is one of those people that will publish articles and stay up until, I mean, she's been up until 3 a.m. with me you know, talking to me on Facebook because she's working. And it's it's definitely, you know, showing even Shannon Lark. Um, Shannon is another client at ADA, and Shannon and I have a couple of projects that we're working on. And it's, it's just really refreshing because I feel like a lot of, you know, women in the genre and women that work together, it, it, a lot of stuff gets done that way. And it's always good, too, when you have the men who support it. You know, there's, there's men who can be complete assholes about women in the genre. They don't think, I've, I've gotten an email before, you know, and I've, I've said this, I've read them out loud sometimes and just laugh. You know, like, I, I basically, I actually had a letter come to me, it was an email about a week ago, and they told me that I can't, bas- basically I can't do horror, I, I can't remember how he worded it, but he said, I can't do horror because I have a pussy. That was exactly what he said to me in that message. And <laughs> I wrote him back and I said, um, you know, I was like, it, it must be nice for keyboard warriors to have that much time on your hands, but you actually sit up at night and think about whether or not my pussy affects your life. And I never heard from him <laughs> again. And it's just, you know, we're going to be on the defensive. But it's it, women in horror, I mean, we're even going mainstream, you know, even fatality films. We even have a production right now called Hot Blooded, and it's actually a reality show based on the guys and gals at Muscle Wolf Productions. And I actually partnered with Authentic Entertainment on it. And Authentic, I mean, they're one of the biggest reality show production companies on the planet. They do hear from Tony Boo Boo. You know, they're, you know, they have a lot of success from that show. And it's, um, you know, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to see, you know, I want to take horror to that next level. And I think that if I have the right team in my corner, which I feel like I do, I feel like I have the support and I have, you know, the right people that are with it. I, I really can see horror taking, you know, that next level. So it's, um, it's, it's, it's good to be at the helm of it, but, you know, I know that there's so many other women that are doing it too that I can't help but to support their endeavors as well. Well, I think you're you're doing a great job. I think you're off to a great start, and um, I really just want to thank you so much for coming on uh, and uh, sharing with us everything that you have going on right now. Thank you so much, Andrea. 
Yeah, of course. Thank you so much, guys, for having me. And I, you know, good luck with the show, and I'll definitely be listening. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> It's time for another morbidly made behind the scenes. In this clip, Michael J has a little bit too much fun with his microphone. I like the end of the face and the like. Mike, what the fuck are you doing with that mic? What does it sound like I'm doing? Sounds like it, you're rubbing it on your junk. <laughs> no. Uh, no, I'm not doing that. I'm just uh I'm just holding it. It just creates static like if I put my I put my fingers on the on the mouth like I'm doing right now. I'm I'm caressing the mouth. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of annoying. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if it's annoying, I won't do it anymore then. <laughs> Let's roll this bitch. And we're back with the morbidly made. <laughs> well done, Mike. Well done. Did you like that? See, now I, I told I, I told you that I would, you know, I wanted to try to switch it up a little bit. And I don't think anybody's ever introduced a segment by saying, let's roll this bitch. Who cares, Mike? You introduced a segment and you proved you're just as good as me. I think I'm a little better, but that that's up for debate. Um, okay. <sighs> So I'm looking at some stuff, and obviously there are some Blu-rays that are coming out that uh, I I think warrant mentioning. Not all of them are horror, but I, I still think... Okay, what we got, Mike? Uh, what we got? Wow. Okay, well, our friends over at Paramount are giving us Jack Reacher on May 7th. I heard good things, never saw it. Didn't look that good, but I, I heard it was actually pretty decent. So It's probably not good. Uh, Tom Cruise is, is, is in a tailspin. His career is going in the shitter. So, yo. Yeah, but the dude's like 60 and jacked out of his mind. He had to have been doing so many fucking steroids for that movie. Damn. Good for him. Is Tom Cruise... I gotta look that up. I don't know if Tom Cruise is 60, but... Um, Mama... He's fucking old to look like that. Damn. Yeah, he's old. Mama (laughs) is coming out May 7th. We were mixed on that. Uh, Yeah, fuck Mama. Yeah. (laughs) Listen to that one from you. Um, Iron Man 3 trailer, I don't give a shit. Dude. I dude. It looks good, man. I'm, well, no. I'm fucking uh, seeing that you shit. you hear that, it's going to, that they're talking about it being the final in the franchise? I, I have heard that, because uh, it's technically that runs out uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s contract. So Oh, he'll re-up it. What else is he going to do? Uh, Sherlock Holmes or whatever the fuck uh, else he wants to do. First of all, Sherlock Holmes, that'll be the third Sherlock Holmes film. He ain't going to want to do that. Uh, who knows with him. Whatever. Um, exactly. <laughs> Moving on. Um, hey, did you know what came out um, this past Tuesday? You know, well, we're recording on Tuesday, so today? Nope. Why are they making a third Marine movie? Wait, you mean like the shitty John Cena Marine movie? Yeah, well, they made a second one with Ted DiBiase Jr., and... The third one, the Marine Three Homefront, just came out today. Oh fuck! Who stars in that? Hold um, on, let me see if I can pull this up, and I'll tell you. Because it's probably shit. Dude, it's probably some guy that's not even like a fucking name wrestler. Hold on. It might even be like a referee. Hold on. Let me see if I can get the cover up. 
Oh my god. That sounds promising. The cover looks it's this guy standing in front of an American flag holding this gun firing it. And I think his name is Mike the Miz Mizanin. <laughs> the fucking Miz stars in that? Oh, that's got to be gold, man. <laughs> Do you, I don't even know who the Miz is, but... Oh, fuck. <laughs> wow. Got three stars out of five. By who? The fucking studio? No, on Amazon. Two customer reviews. Three stars out of five. Yeah, fuck and, that uh, movie. I'm not watching that. It's 1996 for the Blu-ray DVD combo pack. Yeah, and wait another two weeks, and it's gonna be seven ninety nine. Yeah, probably because the uh, second one is in the seven ninety nine bin at Best Buy. Uh, Told you. And also, we've got oh Ashley Bell is in it though. I like her. Uh, she's pretty attractive. Dude, keep it pushing past that piece. <laughs> you don't like her, I take it. I just don't care about that movie. It sounds like a piece of crap. That they're just like, hey, the first one made money. The second one didn't, but we're not willing to give up on this idea yet. And Anchor Bay is deciding to pick up some old 20th Century Fox titles and release them to Blu-ray. One of those, which I see uh, I'm going to have to pick up, is Airheads. We love Airheads. Eh. Eh. It's better than Bruce Campbell. Oh, um, fuck you. You have Bedazzled uh. with Brendan Fraser. You have Best Laid Plans. I don't know that one. Uh, Chasing Pappy. Sounds like a Spanish movie. Uh, Dying Young. Jumpin' Jack Flash. Who would... I, yeah. Ooh, Plus fucking Whoopi Goldberg. That's gold there. Dude. Flash was pretty entertaining. My super ex-girlfriend, the Newton Boys, Simply Irresistible, Star Chamber, and my personal favorite that I'm, I'm fucking buying this right up. Uh, Black Knight starring Martin Lawrence. Are you fucking serious? I'm not kidding you. I'm not even dignifying that. Moving yeah. on. You don't like Black Knight? I mean, dude, dude Black he's, Knight fucks sucks. He's, dude, he's a black gentleman who dresses like a knight at like a Renaissance fair thingy. It's hilarious. Dude, that and movie was sh- terrible. Yeah, but all the shenanigans that ensued, you love that stuff. Terrible. Oh, terrible for you. Um, Postal fucking blows that movie out of the water. Oh, fuck, no way. Um,. I'm on Bloody Disgusting. Okay. And I, I saw like this. the site. Yeah. yeah, you're a Miska lover, but continue. No, I just um, like the site. Good for you. Um, why do they have a story that says, uh, it, it basically um, compares or gives us the differences between the theatrical and director's cut of Army of Darkness? Are... Only somebody that is Are... stupid wouldn't be able to tell the differences between Are... those two cuts. That's fucking seriously. So I, I I visited this site. They're claiming to have an Evil Dead month where they're just talking about everything. And they're already reaching saying, 
we're going to break down the differences between the director's cut and the American theatrical cut. How yeah. about you go fuck yourself? Because anybody that's a fan already knows this, you stupid bastards. I love that you're just bashing your so-called favorite site. Good for you. No, this is fucking retarded. You're, you're saying you're having an Evil Dead month and you're already stretching for material by just oh. breaking down the differences between cuts. Yep. Fucking really. I can't wait for, like, day 15 to see what the hell they're putting out. Bruce Campbell's workout routine during Evil Dead 2. Ooh. John, you would probably want to know that, be honest. Are, are, are you fucking serious, Mike? Bruce Campbell, regardless of how much I love the gentleman and I love the character of Ash, Bruce Campbell is never in that good a shape. So... First of all, have you seen him in Army of Darkness or Evil Dead or Evil Dead 2? He is a svelte, young, nice gentleman. I have, I have. And have you checked out my Facebook picture of, like, me as uh, my character, the Abomination? Uh... Exactly. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah, when uh... Bruce Campbell is just like, oh, shit, I got to be shirtless, so I'm going to lift some weights. I'm I'm sorry, but that's not going to impress me. I, sorry. I love the guy. I love the movies. I love the character. But just realizing that you're going to be shirtless and lifting some weights does not verify what, you know, Bloody Disgusting is going to pump out in about 15 days. I love how we just completely switched this around from talking about how stupid Bloody Disgusting is to, uh, you know, Bruce Campbell's workout routine. What What the fuck? Yeah, because it is, you know, stupid. Why do they have, um, okay, now, the Nightmare on Elm Street box set is coming out on Blu-ray. It was a Best Buy exclusive for a few months, and I picked it up when it was a Best Buy exclusive. Of course. now it's, yeah, of course, because I'm I'm a true fan. But um, now they have it, like, it, it got a wide release, so it's all over. And they have this thing with Robert Englund and Heather Langenkamp talk about being cast in a Nightmare on Elm Street. I just have a question. Is that really new? Uh, uh, I would assume, but I don't understand why they would be posting something about that now. I have no idea. Who cares? I agree. It's just like Army of Darkness. It's It's really who cares. It is the dumbest thing, and, I think, ever. And honestly, anybody that's a true fan, just like Army of Darkness, already knows how fucking Robert England got the part. I've heard the story several times through interviews and jokes and whatnot. I know it. So, like, the best you're going to give me on the box set for Blu-ray is talking about something I have already known for years. Who fucking raw? Who <laughs> fucking I love that. Um... You know, and then I want to I want to kind of get into with you real quick because I know we're oh shit we have other stuff we want to discuss um, after the news here. So I just I want to cover two other things with you real quick. Okay. Um, you sent me that thing with the X Files comic book season ten in comic book form by IDW Idiot Does What Publishing. Mm. Yeah, I gotta say, like, I was a little impressed that I saw that um, Chris Carter's coming back and doing a season 10. It's the dumbest thing ever. Well, I saw that 
that, and I was like, fuck yeah, and then I actually clicked on it, and it's like, in comic book format, it's like, oh, and then I looked up, you know, IDW, I was like, I think I've heard of that, and I look them up, and Mike, you gotta, you gotta hear the comic books that these guys put out, and they oh, look God. like fucking gold, alright? Oh, God. So, number one on their list, Transformers. Ew. Yep. Number two, Star Trek. No, nope. and I'm not saying ooh because I like the Star Trek movies, but comic book, fuck no. Continue. Yeah. Okay. Number three, True Blood. Oh God, I'm gonna vomit. No, no, it gets better. Number four, Doctor Who. I'm really gonna. Vo- I've never seen Doctor Who. It seems like the most ridiculous thing on the planet. Um, but Wait, it, it gets better. Number five, oh. GI Joe. Oh no, not the real American hero in comic book form. Fuck and, you, I And the w. only only good one, probably, hopefully, thirty days a night. That's not good. Again, that's not a good one. Fuck you. Well, the movie was good. I've been meaning to check out the original graphic novels. I just haven't. So I I'm I'm I I'm optimistic at the least. Let let's put it that way. No. Oh. If it's an ongoing comic book, past the graphic novels, uh, yeah, I'm not very optimistic. Hmm. Yeah, maybe. Um, all right, one more thing before we get into other stuff, and I think I think that that it's fitting that we kind of briefly touch on this based on um, what we're going to be venturing into over the next month. Um, but you sent me that story about the scoop on Evil Dead Four. Absolutely. Yes. And I don't know. What do you think? Do you think it's going to happen? Do you think it's not going to happen? What's your thoughts? Uh, honestly, like, I didn't even read the article when you shared it on our Facebook page. I've just known so much of the story between Sam and Bruce before that I call bullshit. And uh, before we started recording, uh, I actually sat down. And I looked it up, and I've read the different articles. And, you know, you and I have talked about this before. I'm still calling bullshit. I mean, Sam's talking about it. We we have in one article in the beginning that sparked this whole thing, we got him saying, uh, "What? Here's where the fuck is it? I would love to make Evil Dead 4 my brother, who is most likely Ivan, anybody that knows anything about the series. Um... And I are planning on writing the script this summer. That, that's that's the whole fucking quote right there. Nothing more. So everyone's just like, oh my god, he's writing it. That doesn't mean he's fucking making it. Right. And then he goes on and clarifies it with, um, you know, pretty much saying, those guys made me say that, yada, yada, yada. Um, he, he makes a joke out of it, you know, telling his brother to get to work on the script. Um... And he talks about how, you know, he doesn't really have anything else going on this summer. I mean, Oz is going to be out. Um, The most is Ghost House is producing, like, a sequel possibly to The Possession. So it it could just be nothing more than a writing exercise to keep him and his brother busy writing Evil Dead 4 and tossing around the possibility. And I think that's all the more it is. And I have one quote that I'm going to end this with from Sam and then... I, I'm done with this, and you and I can discuss it a little bit more, but I'm, I'm done saying my piece. Right, right here is what Sam has to say when asked about 
all the fanfare around the original series, okay? He says, uh, what is it? Um, what a sorry state the world is in when it has come to this. The lowest B-movie drive-in picture is elevated to this status. That's really how I look at it. End quote. Fucking Sam Raimi. That right there tells me he's most likely never going to make it. And let's face facts. Bruce Campbell has gone on fucking record multiple, multiple times saying that he will never do an Evil Dead 4 and referencing the last Indiana Jones movie, which, let's face facts, should have not been made. I, I don't... Whoa, 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 whoa. Bruce... Okay, first of all. First of all. Bruce Campbell will, of course, say that something shouldn't be made because Bruce Campbell is an asshole and just does not want to do anything that's not burn notice. Okay, continue. Well, no, let, let, let's look at this because... Yeah, let, let's look. Go ahead. Let's look at this. Mm-hmm. I mean, Army of Darkness is on American Movie Classics. It is considered to be an American Movie Classic. By Just because it's on American Movie Classics does not mean it's an American Movie Classic. Well, it, it's held in high regard. And many fans out there consider it probably one of the best of the trilogy, which is really debatable. Really debatable. It is. It, well, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's pretty good, yeah. But regardless of what they do with a sequel from the original, it is going to be compared to that one. And it's not going to be compared... Fairly, it's going to be compared through the, you know, twisted view of people that have grown up with that, that have lived with that, and that have loved that movie for years. Right. And regardless of what they fucking make, regardless as to if Bruce drops 50 pounds and ends up looking almost exactly the same, it will never fucking compare to that. And yes, that's what they're going to run into. Bruce has already stated that. It's not going to live up to that. People are going to yeah. You nope. w- hold on. Do you want to know why? Do you want to do you whoa, whoa, whoa. Do you want to know why it's not going to live up to it? I'll tell you exactly why right now. Because Bruce will not put his all into Ash again. Bruce will not do Ash again. I'm just I'm just saying no. Yeah, because he doesn't care about the fans. No, fuck you, because he doesn't he care about cares the fans. about the fans. No, he doesn't. And he realizes that the, he doesn't this movie care about the fans will not live up to what fans want or believe. It will to be if made. he's. It will if he's there. He no. doesn't care. He no. doesn't care. Mike, I I know you're just trying to John, get me pissed off. John, right now. I'm just telling you, he doesn't care. You're just trying to get me pissed. <laughs> off. No, I'm not. He doesn't care. But it, the movie will not add up. It's not going How to How will it not add up? I told you before off air, we talked about this. And I told you, you started where the director's cut left off, where he wakes up and he's the old man. He's like, I slept too long. No. But then you have the continuity issue. You and what I talked about this. I have an issue. idea around all of it, obviously, because I'm such yeah. a huge fan and a writer well, and all that. But you... The the problem is, do you really want a 50-what-year-old Ash? Yeah. That's not what people fucking want. At this point, yes, we do, because that we realize, any true Evil Dead fans realize that that's how this is, ha- that's what has to happen for them. No, them. and I call bullshit. I call bullshit. You always call bullshit, because no, that's all you know how to call. 
People think that's what they fucking want until they get it. And they see Bruce Campbell, 55, you know, gray hair, terribly out of shape, trying to say, give me some sugar, baby. And you're just like, he's not nearly as smooth anymore. Look at that old motherfucker. Yeah, well, let me tell you something. If people sat through, my name is Bruce, then they'll sit through Evil Dead 4. Fuck you. My name is Bruce (laughs) is hilarious. It's a piece of shit, horrible film. Dude, it is a fucking great film. It's horrible. It, no, once you, once you, you are realize that you not forward. That. Once, hey, I'm the one that spent twenty four dollars on it when it first came out, and have complete buyer's remorse over that purchase. I'm the one that spent twenty five whatever on it, and don't fucking regret that shit in the least. Of course you don't, because you settle for subpar Bruce Campbell entertainment. No, because I'm an actual Bruce Campbell fan, and I appreciate everything that goes on in that movie. I find it fucking hilarious. It is not my um, fan that there are poser fans out there that, that watch this, and they're just like, oh, it's not that funny. Really? He's fucking playing a, a version of himself that is a complete and utter asshole. No, no, no. Sorry, no. that's not the truth. Better, better Bruce Campbell is Bruce Campbell as Elvis and Bubba Hotep. That's the better Bruce Campbell. Dude, to quote my name is Bruce... Oh, Everybody Christ. liked Bubba Hotep. Of course they did. I love Bubba, 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 Bubba Hotep. Okay, moving on. Oh, yeah, because he's going to. Yeah. This is going nowhere. Yes. <laughs> Although people will enjoy hearing it just because it's funny to moving get you on. riled up. Sir, I said moving on. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, so move on. Talk about your um, contagious movie of the week. Although I do have I do have another news story Mother that's fucker. not really horror-related. So you set me up. I get ready, start to say the whole thing, and you're just like, oh, I have, by the way. <laughs> no, no, just just a quick afterthought that I just okay. actually thought of. No, did God. you hear that Harrison Ford's going to be an Anchorman too? I actually did. Um, that's awesome, isn't it? I, I'm Yeah, I got to say, I'm, I'm kind of curious about that one. Yeah, but you got to realize that his his career is probably really in the shitter for him to. And believe me, I want to see Anchorman too because I love it because Paul Rudd's in it. But um, you know, I I just think that it shows that Harrison Ford's career is in the shitter now that he's doing that movie. Yeah, it definitely does. Because uh, isn't he going back to Star Trek too? It's Star Wars. Whatever. <sighs> yeah, John that's will fuck never you, understand Mike. the fuck wars. You, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> The wars are so much better than Bruce Campbell. But okay, moving on to your contagious oh. movie of the week. Let's do it. <laughs> okay, give me a second. I got to compose myself after that bullshit. <laughs> okay, so the contagious movie of the week. We started this. This has been going on. Um, we've had a couple specials, and we this is the not... second time. Okay, so yeah. we didn't get to cover this movie because we had a couple specials and whatnot come out that just Thank kind God of you're not missing it or. What not. And so, what our pick was, was Fragile, and we're going to cover it real quick right now. Um, yeah. I picked this movie because we ended up and we watched Mama. We covered that real quick. And honestly, I feel that this is a better movie than Mama. I think that it was better done. It's from the guy that did Wreck and Wreck uh, 3. I believe he solo directed that one. Um, Wait, he didn't do Wreck 2? I, I believe he was part of it, but I just wanted to point out Wreck 3 because I think he did that one solo oh. instead of the partnership. Mm-hmm. But um, he, he made this... the past rounds, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> he, he made this movie. It's about a nurse yeah. 
uh, coming to a hospital for children and realizing that it's haunted. Um, I, I think it's really good. It's atmospheric. Eh, can't fucking talk. Atmospheric. Um, and it's got some really good scares. The ending is very good. It has kind of a nice uh, Del Toro feel to it. It's got a lot of Del Toro staples, just like Mama, except done better. Do you, you want to know what I think about the movie? I would love to, Mike. <sighs> is that your opinion of the movie? Sir, I made it about 20 minutes into the thing before I said, this is mind-numbingly boring, and I just can't do it anymore. See, the problem is that it's one of those ghost house movies, so there's kind of a lot of build-up to get to it, and uh, I'm not going to lie, it took me a little bit to get to it, but um, I really liked the end, I liked the story, so I I thought it was entertaining. It's the ultimate slow-burn film. Uh, is it is definitely slow burn. I'm not going to lie about that. That I didn't even let burn off. Yeah. So, Mike, yeah, obviously you did not enjoy it. What would you rate it? Zero. Is it fucking really a zero? A zero. Dude, you gave fucking Mama like a six. Well, because Mama was better than, <clears throat> than this. I, fucking Mama was better than this. Mama had these fake... STD infected vaginas in the yeah. wall that she crawled doesn't, out of. What first the of all, fuck? <laughs> it doesn't matter. At least that kept me interested. This movie I was ready to fall asleep at. As you can see, they were talking about it every time. <sighs> Dude, this one had an insane chick. Fucking spoiler alert, don't give a shit. You should have watched it. If you didn't, fuck you, follow Contagious Movie of the Week. Yeah, I don't care. Continue. Yeah, this one had an insane chick that was breaking a little girl's bones because she became attached to her. When the little girl is taken away from her, she goes fucking nuts and takes her her fucking braces for her entire body, pounds them into her own fucking skeleton and throws herself down a fucking elevator shaft, comes back as a fucking ghost and continues with other kids. That shit, when you see that bitch finally revealed, is fucking creepy. And when she's chasing the nurse through the hospital at the end... Fucking creepy. It's boring. Alright. Alright. Well, um, sadly, uh, the Contagious Movie of the Week is not going to be my choice, it's not going to be Mike's choice, and it's not going to be the fans' choice like we promised, because we're actually going into a special for our show. Um, For the next month, That's right. For the entire next month, all listeners of our show are going to be brought into the ultimate experience in grueling tear as the morbidly made goes where no one has gone before. In the woods. Yeah, well, (laughs) at least done so well. What the fuck? That's here. Wait, tr- I'm I'm trying to say. Guess what movie are we talking about? With this alone, wait. Wow. All right. So no, wait, but do you know what that is? Uh, the the wind. Are, are is this is this the unseen evil force, Mike? Of course it is. <laughs> so of course we are talking about the one, the only. Evil Fucking Dead Trilogy 
and the remake. We're going to cover them all. We are going all out on this. We're going to view each movie. So the Contagious movie of the week is obviously going to be the evil fucking dead movies. Um, We're going to do in-depth reviews of these. We are actively working on casting people from this. Um, We're not willing to give away everybody just yet. you got to stay tuned for that. But we will give you this much right now. Oh, no. What are you going to tell them? Well, for the Evil Dead remake, we have already booked Fede Alvarez, the writer, direct. What? You're giving that away? I'm giving that away. I said not to give that away. Now, fuck it. We're giving that away, and you got to stay tuned to find out what we got coming for the rest of the series. You gave Fide away? I gave Fide away. Um, well, it, it's a good one, Mike, because we got to build to that one. But also, I kind of gave that one away because uh, I was drunk on a show of Corey, Midnight Corey, earlier. And I might have already gave that away. I'm not sure. Like I said, I was a little drunk. Dude, but I, I think that's the one courage. we got to give people, man. Liquid courage has got to take a back seat when you're recording at this point. Um, no, I honestly, that is the one we got to give away. And I think people deserve to know that one. Because what we're right doing right now is asking people to stay tuned and stay focused on us to see what's coming. Let's let's give them stuff at the end, and you got to stay with us to get there. Uh, everything else is going to be a fucking surprise. Well, not really, because I'm going to post a little bit early, so you can call in and talk to them. But mm-hmm. <laughs> it's going to be somewhat surprising. Yeah. So I, I'm not going to lie. I'm really, really looking forward to this. And we're going to cover everything. We're covering Within the Woods, Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, obviously, um, Evil Dead 3... Army of Darkness. Darkness and the remake. So I, I'm fucking psyched about this, and I hope everyone else is psyched about it. Because oh, and then don't forget about the the after show, the fifth show, where we will have the big fan roundtable, kind of like breaking down what happened in the previous shows. Yeah, exactly. Me and Mike have been talking about this. Um, not only are we covering all four movies, but we're having a fifth show. Kind of like wrapping everything up as a culmination, and we're going to have a huge fan roundtable where we discuss all the films, what the fans think, and just their impact, all of that. We're covering everything Evil Dead in this roundtable. So bring your hate, bring your love, bring whatever you have, and be prepared because it's the evil fucking dead. There's going to be chainsaws and boomsticks, bitches. Lucky 
Land Slots, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.